Welcome everyone to Alumni and Entrepreneurship at NCIAD. We are your hosts, John Kang and Rahul Prakrar, bringing to you down-to-earth yet inspiring perspectives on entrepreneurship, startups, and scale-ups. In today's episode, we will look at entrepreneurship from a different angle. Rather than exploring the journey of founding a company, we'll look at the alternative paths of growing existing startups or scale-ups. Rahul? Yeah, exactly. So today's guest is Abhishek Rangadorai from the class of 18J. Abhishek is the head of strategy, growth, and corporate finance at Bukalapak, an Indonesian marketplace which has been valued at more than $2.5 billion in its latest funding stage in 2019. The e-commerce platform has more than 80 million active users, 5 million sellers, of which more than three are mom-and-pop kiosks across Indonesia. Um, before joining Bukalapak, Abhishek was a venture builder of Future Labs, uh, you know, in our very own Singapore, which itself is also founded by an NCAD alum who is very active in NCAD's entrepreneurship, uh, Angel Network, and the Startup Bootcamp. At Future Labs, Abhishek built an IoT analytics venture focused on logistics and working in partnership with a large European bank. Uh, and finally, before INSEAD, Abhishek had a background in financial services as a portfolio manager, advisor, and product manager at well-known firms such as JP Morgan and Deutsche Bank in London. So Abhishek, thank you, thank you for coming and joining us today, and congratulations on your amazing and very exciting career path. So Abhishek, um, oh, so Abhishek, so the first uh, question that uh, we wanted to ask you is, can you tell us more about your experience at venture building in Future Labs? Um, specifically, in what areas did you grow the most and what were some of the challenges you had to overcome? Okay, hey, um, thank you guys for having me on. Um, before I go into that, I just want to give you a little bit of background. Uh, um, about the journey itself. So I came into INSEAD wanting to go into tech um, because I could see that tech was just taking over the world um, and like pretty much every industry, including banking, um, had a very heavy tech focus. Um, so that was, that was my motivation coming into INSEAD. And while at INSEAD, I took a number of entrepreneurship courses and because uh, I was interested in pursuing that at some point later in my life. Um, but then I... Um, came across Future Labs and uh, um, their uh, business model or value proposition is very interesting. Um, so for individuals, they gave them the opportunity to um, be an entrepreneur, to build a venture from scratch, um, but also they took away some of the risk uh, by funding a salary and, um, and uh, you know, having a, a kind of stage-gated approach uh, in partnership with a corporate. Uh, and for the corporate, the value proposition was also there, which is uh, they were able to tap a different type of talent versus people that they could hire internally. So, uh, so they got more experienced people, people with you know different types of experience. Uh, but uh, and and for Future Labs itself, uh, they had uh, experience building a lot of different ventures. So this is something interesting for me. So I uh, I decided to take this plunge into. Uh, the kind of corporate entre entrepreneurship world. Uh, and uh, here, we, in this particular case, we were focused on uh, the trade and logistics business uh, because that's where our corporate partner wanted to build uh, new ventures. Um, I, along with my co-founder, uh, decided to uh, pick 
the analytics, uh, IoT analytics space within, uh, within logistics. And uh, we started building uh, the venture in October. Through the process, I learned quite a bit, um, did grow a lot in a number of different areas. So uh, before this, I'd never uh, built or run a, run a business by myself. I think this was very useful experience to actually learn how to do that. The challenges that uh, founders face uh, building a company from zero to one. Um, what what I've realized through that process is it's 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 really not easy. Uh, your uh, venture or your business becomes almost like a baby. Uh, you need to spend uh, pretty much all of your time on it. Uh, and as early stage co-founders, you're pretty much doing everything from. Uh, building a strategy to building pitch decks to talking to clients talking to investors talking to uh, partners uh, talking to engineers designers um, and you're building some of this yourself and you're also doing like admin stuff like uh, like you know doing expenses or uh, so it, it, it's a whole gamut of uh, uh, of of things in your early stage uh, founder um, but also, I mean, there were some challenges through the way. Um, I think one of the things that, um, or two of the things I learned through the process was, uh, um, one, very early stage uh, founder is not necessarily something that I can do. There are other examples of people uh, you know, giving up their, uh, like mortgaging their house, taking up credit card debt, you know, putting everything that they can in into their business. And what I realized through the process is that that wasn't something I could do. Um, and and for different reasons, because of the stage of uh, life that I'm in, uh, I have a young daughter now and so on. Um, the other thing I realized is, uh, is that stakeholder management is, is very important. And, and I, I do know this, but where, where I think, uh, I didn't do as much was managing my uh, investors. Um, in this case, um, the, the bank that we worked with. Um, I've, I focused a lot on, on building the business itself. Um, but I mean, when, when you have to prioritize, um, I assume that the results uh, of what we were building would speak for itself. And I think um, maybe I didn't spend enough time on, on over communicating with my investors. Um, so maybe I'll pause there and, and, and we can go into more questions on this. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 think, I think that was a great sort of overview um, that you made, Abhishek, about, about you know, the different challenges that you face when you're actually uh, establishing a business and building, building a new venture from you know, zero to one. Um, there, I think people can only um, appreciate the... Uh, difficulty um, when they actually do the do the whole journey themselves. Um, you know, just talking about this um, doesn't really do it justice. Um, would you agree on Would you agree on that? Yes. So no, I I completely agree because you you go into it having a set of assumptions, uh, having a set of ideas on what being a founder is, and different people critique founders for different things. Um, actually, I think to be a founder, you need to be an extreme optimist. You need to be able to take uh, a lot of risks, but also sometimes risks that uh, if you, you know, 
took a lot of your learning from business school uh, and applied it, uh, it would not make sense. Because many times you take decisions, um, I think, I don't know, you can call it based on instinct, based on gut, um, that if you just looked at it from a rational view, uh, it doesn't make sense. And I, I can give examples, but uh, essentially, on, in a wider context, 80% of 70 to 80% of uh, startups fail. Um, and you go into it knowing that, so that you already, you know, the, the, the deck is loaded against you. And then on top of that, uh, actually experiencing it is very different because, uh, as I was saying, right, you can say, okay, I can work for long hours. I can uh, give a, all of my time to this business. But when you actually go and do that, um, like the examples I was giving you, right? So in, in, in my particular case, um, the venture didn't uh, work out. And one of the options I had was, uh, do, I want to, do I want to continue building it uh, by myself, right? And uh, I couldn't quite take that uh, call because uh, um, I, have, I have a young family and, uh, and also I have some loans from INSEAD. Um, so some, a, a steady uh, flow of cash is very essential for me. Um, and that, that might not be the case for some other people. Um, but even apart from that, right? Like, it's just the fact that uh, you are battling against the odds as an early stage founder, uh, which is not necessarily the case when you're in a more established firm. True. And, and Abhishek, just two questions on that. Uh, so the first one would be, you know, how did you find out that the venture was not working? So was it a, a, a consumer problem in the demand side? Was it the supply that you were not able to build the product that you envisioned to? So that'd be number one. And then bridging to your next path, you know, you know, how did Book Luck come by and what sparked your interest to join the company? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so on the first one, um, I think uh, the process that, that we had at uh, Future Labs um, in partnership with our client actually was very stage-gated. So you, uh, you had different stages where uh, you, you had to deliver certain milestones and based on those milestones, um, the corporate uh, would take a decision whether to continue funding or not. And if they continued funding, you know, you keep building. If they stop, there, are, there is a decision point on whether you want to do it yourself or you want to close it down. Um, I think in this particular case, um, we'd gone through a number of stages. We had uh, done what's called a, a discovery phase, which is to identify which is the uh, space we want to build our venture in, uh, a problem fit stage where uh, we looked at what are the what are the biggest problems, prioritized the ones that we want to solve, uh, and validated with uh, with the wider market, right? So your uh, potential clients, uh, partners, and so on. Um, and then we went into what's called the solution fit stage, which is uh, building an actual solution without building any tech. So doing mockups uh, and and uh, uh, prototypes, and then you know asking potential clients or partners to work, work with you on that uh, and signing up uh, or building towards the next phase. And I think we were at that stage where uh, we went back to our um, to corporate. Uh, so we had an investment committee. Um, and during that phase, the investment committee decided that they didn't want to move ahead. And for a couple of different reasons, I think the, the sector we were in um, is a very competitive sector. Um, and the margins are generally low. So the angle that you take uh, needs to, um, um, let me put it this 
uh, needs to make sense for a number of different uh, companies, right? And the addressable market. So I think we tick a number of those boxes uh, for ourselves, but I think the corporate didn't share the same vision for us. And potentially a timeline to reach the market size would have taken a longer time. Um, and I think it just, then it comes down to who's your, uh, who's sponsoring it or do they, are they able to share the same vision that you have? Um, and I think maybe that, that, that goes back to my earlier point of, you know, maybe what we failed in uh, or we're not so good at was uh, communicating with our, um, our investors or our internal stakeholders. Um, so maybe th that's a good segue to the next point, which is um, we, at some point, the, the, uh, the, our investors told us that, uh, that they didn't want to continue investing. Um, and they gave us a couple of options to, to you know, continue building this uh, ourselves or, um, and, and find external investors or to you know, um, go to something else. Um, and I think um, both me and my co-founder decided that we wanted to uh, you know, do something else uh, for, the, for the same or similar reasons, which is we both had young families. Um, and uh, uh, while we really believed in the idea, um, it was something that was difficult for us to, um, to take that leap of faith to go, go build it outside. Um, and it was at this time that I, uh, I, I had a chat with uh, different INSEAD alumni, um, not necessarily work-related. And one of them happened to work at Bukala Park. Uh, and when I was telling him about you know, how my venture was going, uh, he, he told me, okay, wait, uh, are you interested in looking at other options? And I was like, I'm not actively looking, but, uh, um, but you know, if there is a right fit, maybe we can talk about it. So he put me in touch with a couple of other people, including alumni at uh, Inside Alumni at Pokalapak. Um, and uh, it wasn't supposed to, it wasn't interviews, it was just chats. And about four days later after those discussions, um, I had an offer uh, to actually, uh, you know, work with them, work for Bukalapak. Um, and the, it, it was very fast, but uh, part of the reason that, that was very attractive for me is while I was at Singapore, um, what I came to quickly understand was that uh, Indonesia is the biggest market in this region. It's uh, in, in different ways, it's about half of the market in Southeast Asia. Um, a lot of companies that are based in Singapore, startups, uh, large corporates, actually sell into Indonesia um, or, you know, so it, it was already interesting for me while I was in my previous role. Um, but apart from that, it's, uh, it has some of the same similarities to India, um, where I'm from, which is, uh, it has a large young population. It's growing rapidly. It's uh, modernizing its economy. Um, it's going very digital. So smartphone penetration is, is rapidly increasing. Um, and also it's still um, poor. So the upside in terms of uh, adopting digital technologies and, and growing them uh, will actually make a big impact. And I can already see that from India where um, some of the same trends apply and, and before that China. Um, so that, that made Indonesia a very interesting market. Um, Bukalapak is one of the uh, largest e-commerce players in this region. Um, and I think the tact or the, the, the angle they take made it more interesting than the other e-commerce firms, which is they're focused more on um, 
non-tier one uh, Indonesia. So they don't they don't necessarily look at you know just Jakarta and Surabaya and some of the other big cities. So they look at the the wider region and how do you empower uh, and and uh, bring digital technologies to both buyers and sellers uh, outside of these big cities. Um, and that for me was uh, was really interesting because it, it also ties into um, like my other goal, which is how can I help society overall? Um, and so uh, for, for some of those reasons, uh, Bukalapak was interesting, but also from a role perspective, it was quite interesting because the role that, uh, um, that I was um, asked to help with was, or, or to lead was um, the growth, um, the growth uh, and growth strategy and operations which is essentially looking at uh, how do you grow the business um, while uh, through uh, product, through advertising, through promos, uh, using some, uh, some of the data that you have. Uh, and, um, and so that for me uh, was, was super interesting and which is what uh, made me consider this ahead of uh, anything else. Um, maybe again, I'll pause here because I've spoken for a while and uh, I'll turn it back to you for questions. Uh, thank, thanks, Abhishek. Um, so you actually answered all of the questions that we had about um, Bukalapak, actually. Um, the, the next questions were, um, why did you join the company and, uh, and what were the benefits of joining the company? But you already answered those questions. Um, I think we can move on to... Um, maybe perhaps. just before that, uh, mm -hmm. maybe I'll just touch upon four um, other alums as well. I think... Um, one of the things that I've noticed about Indonesia um, and for people who want to you know, potentially come and work here um, is that they're quite open um, to people who are, uh, who are foreigners. Are we, are we over time? Is that the alarm? Um, they're quite open to uh, foreigners and, and especially in um, some of the senior roles, um, there is value or there, there is uh, like, you know, someone coming out of India is seen uh, very positively. Um, I think also the other thing is uh, there is a scarcity of um, of um, talent or uh, or people who have different types of experience or who are international. Um, so the the country is quite hungry for that type of talent, and um, and so then you're also able to make a bigger impact because you go into these roles where um, you're able to bring your experience from you know past life, uh, INSEAD, and then help, you know, um, change the direction of the company or chart the course the company is going on. Uh, and and uh, an additional angle is that if you haven't really managed a lot of people before, uh, you will get that opportunity here. So these are different things, benefits that not just for me, but for others who are looking to come into Indonesia um, is something to look for or look forward to. I mean, there are flip sides to it, which is that you know, salaries here are in as high as Singapore, um, but also the cost of living here is much lower. So uh, consider that if you're, if you're thinking of Indonesia. Uh, thanks so much for sharing that insight about um, Indonesia. I'm sure a lot of um, INSEADers would actually appreciate, you know, the sort of insider uh, look, uh, look on that market there. Um, we just wanted to cover, we just kind of to take a step back and ask you, Abhishek, what was it about the MBA at the INSEAD that, that prepared you for the current role? 
um, that you have? And what would you have liked to do more in INSEAD to better prepare you for the journey? Yep. Um, I think, um, so the, uh, what, what helped me at INSEAD, what, uh, what I took away from INSEAD was mostly, uh, actually not from the hard or the, the, the courses like economics or finance or accounting. Uh, I think it was more um, from the, the, the kind of softer courses like organizational behavior or uh, the communications course that you guys will do in P5. Um, those were really helpful because uh, I've always been a more data-driven or uh, uh, a, a rational type person. Um, and the insights from those courses on how to look at people, um, understand their motives or their desires and how to use that when managing them, I think that was very useful for me. Um, also, in my previous roles, I've managed people, but not a lot of people. And I think, again, uh, some of those angles on how do you manage it in cross-cultural or try to be sensitive to those how do you guard against biases um, all of that is like um, very important um, but the most important um, I guess learning has been from uh, um, people that you know I studied with uh, so my, my cohort itself um, so the conversations that you have uh, sometimes in class but a lot of times outside of class um, about how you know about the challenges people have faced in their past lives uh, in their careers in uh, uh, or or about their cultures those are very important and I, and I feel I've, I've used those even more and sometimes I even so call up people for advice like how would I deal with this particular situation or have you come across this and many times you know people do or have and uh, so that 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 for me is uh, is, is really important um, so Maybe if I had to use one word for it, it's the it's the alumni network or the uh, alumni themselves. Uh, uh, that's most most important, or the the thing that I can take away from INSEAD. Um, what would I what would I have liked to have learned more? Um, I think again, uh, I wish I had more time to spend uh, with other people. Um, I don't know if if uh, if you guys face this, but I found. Uh, um, in P1 and P2, you, you tend to meet or uh, meet a lot of different people. And then as time goes on, you go into smaller and smaller groups, and then you, you, you socialize within those smaller subgroups, um, which was definitely even more intense for me because, uh, um, you know, I, I tried to balance time between uh, my, my child and uh, India, then recruiting and whatnot. So, um, I wish I had more time to spend with uh, other people from my cohort and, and learn more from them. Um, the other one that I would like is uh, is uh, the entrepreneurs in residence. Um, I've used it a little bit, but I wish I'd done more. I wish I'd uh, just gone and spoken to some of those people. Um, I've actually, uh, since finishing INSEAD, some of them, like including my former boss uh, at Future Labs, uh, who's an entrepreneur in residence, I've spoken to them, but. Um, I wish I'd done more of that while I was at INSEAD and, you know, just generally talked about business ideas and, uh, and their entrepreneurship experience or, or, or and so on. So I would encourage people who haven't done that to, to really book those slots because I know a lot of those slots still go empty or, or unused. And, and 
on that note on NCAD, so, you know, as you know, we're going through a little bit of a difficult context in which you know, there are hiring, hiring freezes all over, uh, especially from the more established industries like consulting or banking. Yep. And, you know, obviously the J class now is thinking about, you know, what we do in terms of our career paths post MBA, yep. you know, P4. So for our fellow, you know, colleagues at NCAD, what's like, if you had to give the one, you know, piece of advice, what would it be to them given this context? I mean, this is one of the most difficult periods. I mean, no, no cliches, right? This is a, this is a tough recruiting period. Um, millions of people are going through uh, very hard economic times. Um, and I think, I mean, the, the, the positive side of looking at this is that the best opportunities come from, from crises or economic crises or whatever. Uh, some of the largest startups in uh, now are uh, were founded in uh, in, the, in the in the throes of the financial crisis, Uber, um, Airbnb, Dropbox, and so on. Right. So uh, there are a number of very successful companies that that, that started or kicked off um, in in that period. And the reason for that is is typically uh, when you have a big shock, uh, the world changes. You you have um, or some things or, or trends, um, there, you know, it, it, there are inflection points in, in trends. And that means that uh, if you can or are willing to take that risk or that, or, um, you know, that leap of faith, um, you could end up in, in, um, in, in driving some of those new industries or those new businesses that are being formed. Um, and, and from a personal experience, like my, um, I, I took a very uh, a safe or, um, I guess, um, a very normal career path after my, um, after my degree. But some of my friends who finished their MBAs, um, uh, and just a little bit of background, in India, you can do your MBA straight after, after undergrad. So my friends did that, and, and they came out, they, they graduated in the you know, 2009, 2010, um, and... A few of those people joined the startups that were being formed in India at that point, or or even globally, uh, in Silicon Valley, and uh, some of those people are now, uh, you know, driving those businesses uh, forward. And uh, without giving, you know, examples of companies, it just means that this is a time that yes, it's very challenging, but if you look back maybe three years, five years from now, uh, some of those people who came out at this point will actually be a lot more successful or will have, you know, I don't know, um, maybe more fulfilling career paths uh, than potentially joining a very safe industry. Um, so advice itself, so this is just like observations. Advice itself is, um, is be open to uh, non-traditional uh, career paths or uh, career paths that you don't normally go into after MBAs. Um, be humble, um, be open to it, talk to people uh, who are still hiring and be open to going into roles that, you know, might not necessarily be an MBA title, right? So, um, because for that industry, you may be, uh, while you have an MBA, you don't have some of the, the skills, needed skills that they need. So you might need to start a little bit earlier. Um, and also leverage the network, like talk to as many people as you can from the network. And, and going to my previous point, 
outside of just consulting and banking and, and those type of traditional industries. Um, talk, I mean, especially in the startup world, there are some startups that are still recruiting. I mean, there are hiring freezes, but there are some positions that people are uh, looking to get more, um, like, or, or, or this point, like, for example, even in Pokalapak, uh, we have, uh, we're looking to hire someone in a strategy role. So I think just it's about talking to as many uh, of the network or not just necessarily the INSEAD network, even go wider, look at other B schools, um, talk to the network from there. Um, and uh, just know that uh, one or two years from now, the crisis will pass and, um, and potentially some of you will come out uh, leading some of the uh, industries of the future. Vishek, um, thank you so much for the, those words. I, I think, uh, I, is, this is my personal opinion, but um, I think it's just a matter of um, perspective in terms of whether you're looking at a glass that is half full or a glass that is half empty. Um, and it's just a matter of um, really getting used to um, going into something that may not be um, uh, as comfortable, you know, in terms of looking at it from an MBA perspective. Um, yeah. But at the same time, this is this is the time when um, uh, I, I appreciate I appreciate you saying that it's the time when historically, you know, the startups which will boom later are are like gonna arise, and so it'll be really interesting to to see that uh, unfold over the next few years. Um, I think I think that real that that concludes um, our our episode for today. Um, Abhishek, thank you so much for your time again and for supporting the INSEAD community. Um, we wish you all the best for your career and uh, look forward to uh, catching up with you again soon. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you, John and Raho. It was really a pleasure being being with you guys. Thank you. Thank you.